When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I'm going to begin by talking about mortgages. Where do I think rates are headed from here? And some great news for you about how lenders are starting to decide whether you're credit worthy for that mortgage. This is a significant change in the marketplace. And later, so much talk about energy. How are we going to have a reliable supply of energy? How are we going to get that done? I want to tell you about some innovation going on in the marketplace because the marketplace is where it needs to happen. So, mortgage rates have done what's known as a decouple. Normally, there's this thing rich people buy. It's like a CD for rich people and big institutions called the 10-year treasury. And the 10-year treasury is a direct obligation of the federal government. And the rate on it normally is the marker for what you pay on a mortgage. And there's an amount above the 10-year treasury historically that mortgage rates would set up because a mortgage is more risky for an investor than a direct obligation of the federal government. And I should say, why the 10-year treasury? Why that? Because I take out a 30-year mortgage. Because most people don't keep their mortgage for anywhere close to 30 years. And so 10 is kind of like a good marker. So they know, okay, so federal government, we're going to lend them money at this amount, interest rate. So let's lend money to you or me buying a house at this amount more. Right now, because of a bunch of weirdness behind the curtain, you don't need to know, the spread is greater than normal between the 10-year treasury and mortgages. That's why mortgage rates went up, 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 and up, and up in such a short cycle because of odd things going on on Wall Street. So as the inflation curve ultimately bends, and let me tell you, inflation is not forever if you have the will to take it on. And it seems that the Federal Reserve clearly has the will. And it's just a matter of how much pain there is from here to there to squeeze the inflation out of the economy. And it will happen. So the mortgage rates will trend down. And they're likely, barring some unexpected event in the world, they're likely pretty much at their current peak because as the economy slows, which the Federal Reserve is engineering, and as inflation squeezes out, the interest rate that the marketplace will demand on the 10-year Treasury will come down. And then in turn, even though the rates have decoupled a little bit, the mortgage rates will come down as well. They are not going back to 2 or 
That was a market manipulation by the Federal Reserve to prop up the economy, and that's not happening. So we're going to see rates that will be lower than they, if you look at long historical charts, rates are going to be better. Uh, Probably, you know, economists are all over the board about this. Based on everything I read, we're going to cycle down to somewhere in the fives, maybe upper fours. That's likely the territory that we're going to settle at the point that the market psychology says, okay, the economy shifted into lower gear and inflation has shifted into a lower gear. And that's when you'll see the mortgage rates start to decline. One of the guesses from one of the banking lobbyist organizations is that rates by the fall of next year, basically a year from now, will be about 5.4%. That's their guess. And based on everything I read, that's a pretty good bet. So the much higher rates we're seeing right now quoted, not likely to have long staying power, which is good news. The other thing that's great news is that most of the mortgages in the market are underwritten by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. You may hear these terms. They're quasi-governmental or basically governmental entities that end up supporting the mortgage market in the United States. That's why our rates are a lot lower than they are in other countries in the world, because the federal government's directly involved in the mortgage market. So FICO has been the only credit score that has been part of the mix in establishing your credit worthiness for a mortgage. Well, now the rules require that lenders also consider what's known as the Vantage score. And part of what Vantage has been about are these extended scores that for people, let's say you've been lifelong renters and want to buy a house, will now be able to take into account how you pay your rent. How do you pay regular utility bills? How do you pay things that are normal monthly obligations, but not traditional credit? The analysts believe that this kind of regular obligation payment can be used to establish pretty clearly if you're somebody who will meet your regular bill commitments or not outside of the narrow box of items that were really the key and everything with credit reporting and scoring, which was how do you pay for a mortgage? How do you pay for a car loan? How do you pay your credit cards? How do you pay personal loans? It was all about borrowing to establish a profile on you. But the belief now is that, and the data that's available can be crunched so much more easily, that all these other factors of people that live a mostly cash existence can also illustrate whether you will meet your obligations on a debt, and this is good news. Krista? Derek in Missouri says, I currently have a home and I'm looking to move. I will keep the original home and use it as a rental property. With today's interest rates being so high, I was considering using a HELOC 
to obtain additional funds for the down payment on the second property. I would then do a balance transfer to a 0% APR for 24 months credit card. I'm confident that I could still make payments on both properties as well as pay off the credit card before the rate kicks in. I know that there would be fees associated with the balance transfer, usually 3 to 5%, but this is lower than the current 7% mortgage rates. Is my math correct that I could save a little by doing this? And is this possible? Yeah, I mean, financial machinations like this are completely possible. You could do this. This is playing with fire if you don't have the resources to meet the obligations you would have down the road. If you're really, really sure that you financially have the wherewithal that when the clock ticks and you run through, let's say, an 18-month balance transfer, 0% off or something like that, that you could for sure be able to pay that off and extinguish the debt and you want to do something like use a HELOC for shorter term financing, okay, you never want a HELOC to run too long because it's a floating rate debt that can move up basically every month. That's why over the last couple of years, I was telling people stay far away from HELOCs. Now the interest rate environment has changed. The danger moving forward of using HELOCs has reduced because the higher rates have already happened. What about checking with your CPA too in case, because he loses the deductibility. Loses the deductibility. You know, deductibility of mortgage interest is one of the most oversold tax breaks there is. Unless you are a very high income earner, the mortgage interest deduction is not that valuable. Talking to an accountant's a great suggestion. Deborah in Ohio says, my husband and I own two homes in two different cities. One home is a condo near my daughter, and I go there at least two weekends a month to help out with her disabled son. My husband stays home. In the evenings, I go back to the condo where I watch Netflix. Since Netflix will be cracking down on shared accounts, what hoops will I have to jump through to prove that I'm not sharing my account? And what about when I travel and I want to watch Netflix on TV there? So I've seen, um, I'm a YouTube TV subscriber. And since I travel 30 weeks a year, I get these nasty notices from them. Uh, Are you temporarily in this other location or are you here all the time? So I tell them I'm temporarily there and they leave me alone. If I suddenly was there for a long period of time, I'm sure they'd say, hey, would you like a second subscription? Because we're shutting you off. That happened to my daughter. It did happen to your daughter? So with Netflix, the short answer, we don't know how they're going to handle people's travel yet. There's no clear answer on that yet. And that will become clear over time because they haven't even launched really with the new process of the separate build account for people out of household. So that will have to be a little bit of trial and error moving forward. You'll have to see at what point Netflix tells you you're a bad person and you have to add out-of-household separate account. The, the additional supplement is not too expensive, fortunately, at this point. Tracy in Florida says, I have a Credit Karma account, but notice that four of my credit cards also offer free credit scores. Is there a difference between all of these scores? Is there a downside to signing up for all of these free scores from the different card issuers? The more the merrier, Tracy, because each of us, while I'm standing here right now, I probably have a couple of hundred different credit profiles. 
you too, Krista. Mm -hmm. You've got a zillion different credit profiles. They can be crunching all different data. They can be crunching it from different credit bureaus. They can be using different scoring models, different versions of the scoring model from the same organization. So what you're looking for is with credit scores, you're playing a game of horseshoes. Close is good enough. Is that what they say in horseshoes? Mm -hmm. And it's totally different than thinking, oh, my credit score is 718. Your credit score may be 718 on this model. On another one, it may be 744. And on a third one, it may be 692. So what you get is basically by having all these reports, you're getting like a rugby scrum of credit scores. You know kind of where you are on the field, and that's what you want to be about. You know why I said rugby scrum? Why? I was talking to a guy from Britain earlier who was uh, talking with great animation about how he had to play rugby growing up where he grew up in England and how much he hated it. <laughs> I couldn't wait to quit. So I just had rugby in my head. It's fun to watch though. I've never watched rugby. I would not want to be one of the people on the field getting clobbered in mm -mm. rugby. Okay. So we've been clobbered by a lot of energy bills through this year and some of the pricing pressures have eased. But I want to talk about the future of energy with you because the future of energy is really different than the political sloganeering you hear and you heard in the recent election cycle. That's coming for you straight ahead. I'm a longtime volunteer and sponsor with Habitat for Humanity, and I recently had the privilege of being at yet another build site in Oklahoma with a build going on by Williams Energy. Williams Energy, if you're not familiar, is a hugely successful company in the natural gas pipeline industry. They are a very good operator, and they are traditional energy. And there's been so much back and forth in the United States, people's attitudes about traditional energy, let's call those coal, natural gas, oil, diesel, gasoline, and then newer energy, electric vehicles, solar, wind, geothermal. And this idea that we're in a zero-sum game of we're either doing this or we're doing that is just crazy. And I know in the political environment, people get really overheated and everything's got to be these stark, clear it is this or that. Life is not like that. People in business to make money look for opportunity where that opportunity is, or they see it to be. And what Williams is doing as a company is so fascinating to me because they are as old energy as you could be, traditional forms of energy. And they, at the same time, are going to build... 48 solar farms on property they own where they transport natural gas. They're going to build big solar farms. They're building them at the 48 sites in Alabama, Colorado, Georgia, Louisiana, New Jersey, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. They're going to build these mega solar farms. And when their CEO was interviewed by the Houston Chronicle, 
He said, hey, come on. Natural gas is key to the country's ability to do these other things. And he's right. This idea, this is bad. This is good. This, we use this. We don't use that. I mean, I've been guilty of that from time to time when I talk about energy. But the reality is various forms of energy are complementary to each other. It's important that we don't ever think all this, none of that, and the marketplace will decide. You know, I've always had this grudge against coal because of the shortened life it's led to for so many people and the asthma. The reality is coal has, as the coal people like to say, kept the lights on for a long time. But coal is no longer, in most cases, economically affordable. And that's led to coal's share of powering the country and other countries as well to steadily decline. And it's not been because of the environmental thing. It's been because of cost. And so the people at Williams are doing this because they think they can make money. And that's key as we change the mix. You know, in life, if you stay stuck in whatever you're doing and you don't allow change to be part of the equation in your life, how you live your life, how you do your business, you get stuck in the past. Life never stops moving forward. I want you to think about that when you start hearing the politicians throw out their one-liners about energy. And I think it's really cool that Williams is now going to build this massive amount of solar. Can solar solve everything? No way, not any day. And can windmills do it? No. It is a combination of a variety of sources of energy, including some that nobody's even thought of yet, that will ultimately be part of our power equation for the United States and the world moving forward. Krista? Joseph in Wisconsin says, I filed for Chapter 13 about two and a half years ago. This past summer, I sold my house for about an $80,000 profit after the mortgage is paid. I owe about $30,000 to the creditors at this time. Would there be any benefit to me if I asked for my case to be dismissed and pay the creditors directly myself or just pay through the trustee and have it discharged through the courts as planned? How will either of these situations affect my ability to purchase a home, which I would like to do within the next few months if possible? So two things, Joseph. I assume that you had a lawyer who prepared your 13. This is a case where you want to go back to the lawyer who prepared the 13. Tell them you now have the money to pay off your plan and what is the smartest way to do it. That's why you have had that lawyer in the first place. And I would definitely talk to the lawyer to find out if you're best staying on continuing to pay out the plan, uh, in my estimation, as a layperson, not a lawyer, it would make sense to just pay everybody off and be done with it. But again, there's a reason that bankruptcy involves lawyers because it is so unbelievably complicated and it would be irresponsible of me to say, oh yeah, definitely do this, Joseph. Call the lawyer And he or she will easily, because you're not the first person who suddenly has had, wow, look, I got this money now. I can get out of this. What's the right way to do it? They'll be able to answer that pretty simply. 
Benjamin in Texas says, Clark, what are your thoughts on the Schwab 529 Kansas plan? It looks like they updated their fees in July. The indexed age pace plans are now 0.2%. They weren't listed in your 529 guide at all. I currently have my wife and my Roth IRAs with Schwab. We celebrated the birth of our daughter and are looking at 529. Congratulations on that. We are wondering if the convenience of having it under one investment house is better or if we should look elsewhere. We're both active duty military with Texas residency, so we wouldn't benefit from any of the state deductions. Okay, so Kansas, as you said, is not on our guide. It's on the teacher's pets list. It's on teacher's pet. Mm -hmm. So Kansas makes the cut you know we do it based on pricing and now that kansas has reduced their fees which has been the steady wonderful trend with 529 plans you're fine doing money in the texas plant it still is not going to be one of the lowest cost plans out there if state residency is not important then go with my top list which is the dean's list of which there are quite a few plans now that have extremely low costs. And so there'd be nothing wrong with going in the Schwab uh, 529 plan because it is a good plan. But there are lower cost ones available. And since you've just had the joy of the birth of your daughter, it means you've got a lot of years that the lowest possible fees will come back to benefit you. So it's not a bad choice, but going with one of the lowest cost ones would be even better since state specificity is not going to count. Bobby in New York says, how have you prepared for potentially significant long-term care costs? Do you have traditional or hybrid insurance coverage or are you going to self-fund? So I'm in a position, Bobby, that is uh, very fortunate for me. I can self-fund stay in assisted living. And so when I looked at buying coverage, it just didn't make any sense for me to buy coverage. I, I have had the, the good fortune over the years to have enough assets that it's something that can just be a life expense, like a health expense. Most people are not in that good fortunate position I'm in and having a long-term care policy becomes very valuable in a certain window. And let me explain that window. If you don't own a home, you don't have a lot of assets, you don't have to worry about it. You'll end up in the state, federal Medicaid program, not Medicare, Medicaid, paying for stay uh, for the care that you need later in life. If you have a lot of money, which is generally assets north of $3 million dollars, you absolutely don't need any form of long-term care insurance. It's everybody else in the middle, which is most people are going to be in this middle, you will benefit from having a long-term care policy. They are now difficult to buy, the traditional long-term care, the industry kind of imploded. And today, the hybrid insurance tends to be the least bad alternative. I won't call it a great alternative. I'll call it least bad. In a hybrid policy, what happens typically is you buy a traditional life insurance policy known as a whole life insurance policy. And in it, you purchase a rider that allows you to convert the benefit from a death benefit into 
paying for long-term care. And so if you know how much coverage you'll have, you know how much money that will provide you for long-term care, and it is a mediocre answer to a very difficult problem, but it is, in my opinion today, the least bad answer for long-term care. Try to buy from a company rated A double plus by AM Best. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. If you're having a hard time in your life right now, know you're not alone. There are a lot of people that in a time of dislocation in society, inflation, and economic uncertainty, uncertainty in the world, it may feel whatever's going on in your own life plus what's going on outside. Things may feel gloomy to you. Know that life has a lot of rounds to it. My late father used to refer to life as 99 rounds. You get knocked down, you know, clean yourself up, get up, and get into the ring again. So life does provide us good times, bad times, and in between. When things are tough, don't ever make the assumption they stay tough. Life goes through cycles, and you got to push through them, And I promise, better days almost always come around.